Tuesday on this October the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Mark Smith. And what we're taking a look at is a hymn from God Can Nothing Move Me. And it's a pretty long hymn, so we'll take a look at uh, what we've got here. It was uh, written in 1563 uh, by an individual who was a lecturer at a university. And it was a university of Erfurt. Uh, what happened is Ludwig Helmhold, uh, Helmbold was a lecturer there and he penned this text to strengthen two people on their journey from a huge, tragic plague that struck Erfurt. It was the rector of the university and his wife, Regina. And in its first publication in 1563, the hymn carried a dedication to Regina, who also was the godmother of Helmbolt's oldest daughter. So we have a number of stanzas and are translated by different people. Stanzas four and five are actually translated by a student in my seminary class, Gregory Wismar, and he went from the original German. So, what do you think of this hymn, Pastor Smith? You know, I wish I knew the melody. I wish I knew the melody of it. I'm not, I'm afraid I'm not real, real familiar with it uh, as far as using it a lot. But uh, I was looking over the words uh, just before, before you called, and uh, there are really some great words in here, great verses. Do you know who was the translator? Uh, let me look. No, you're not going to find no. it. Gerald Gerald Thompson? That's a real old one. Um, oh, translation. You, you, a, you said a, a classmate of yours. No. It translated some I, of the verses. A couple of them. But uh -huh. the real one I'm talking about, Catherine Winkworth. Yeah. She, she actually translated this. And this new translation is by somebody else. So that's wow. kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a very so, comforting hymn. Yeah, I know. And I actually had the uh, text, but lost it somehow, or, or the tune. Mm-hmm. So um, let's kind of just go right to the hymn. Okay. And you read the first stanza, and then tell me what you think about it. All right. From God can nothing move me. He will not step aside, but gently will reprove me and be my constant guide. He stretches out his hand in evening and in morning, my life with grace adorning wherever I may stand. 
so you can understand why he was writing this during a time of great plague in his city. How yes. is this a comfort to people? Well, God will be there. He will not, he will not leave. As, as he promises, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will always be there. And uh, he stretches out his hand in evening and in morning. He, he uh, stretches out his hand to comfort us or perhaps even to heal us. My, my life with grace adorning wherever I may stand. No matter where you are, he is there. You can't get away from him, and who would want to? He'll gently exactly. reprove me. He'll gently reprove me. Uh, it's interesting that the first lines, from God can nothing move me, and then it says, he will not step aside. You know, so. uh, it's kind of kind of interesting. He says, from God can nothing move me. I, nothing will make me leave him. But, but then it quickly says, he will not step aside. Exactly. And so who is uh, he referring to? Well, I would, I would say Jesus Christ. Yes. That's what the hymn is really all about, the importance of Jesus Christ. And something for us to keep in mind. Now, let me see here if I've got the, no, for some reason, well, here it is. So, now do you know the tune? Yeah, is that is that the same tune as in our hymnal? Is my question. It's it's very yeah. it's very lively. Yes, yeah, that's the tune that's in the hymnal, and like I say, it was uh, done. The tune is called. Um, let's see, from von lions Gott there is will nicht no no von Gott will. Ich nicht lassen. Yes. From God will nothing, nothing move me. separate me. Nothing move right. me. Uh, yeah. We don't have an author of the hymn, so it was one that was used in 1557, the tune. So you've done verse 1. I'll read verse 2. When those whom I regarded as trustworthy and sure have long from me departed, God's grace shall still endure. He rescues me from sin and breaks the chains that bind me. I leave death's fear behind me. His peace I have within. Now, you know, this was written during the time of the Reformation. And remember how many friends Luther had that left him and went after false teaching. Uh, 
and he had to uh, correct them. And that also happens today uh, among various pastors. Uh, for example, we talked about how, let me see, there was a pastor who was speaking about dealing with the virus, that there was disagreement among them as to whether or not people should wear masks in church. And a number of pastors are no longer his friends because he feels he should have been vaccinated and they feel he shouldn't have been. And he lost some friends that way. So this yeah. happens even in our day. Oh, yeah. In that, fact, what, what, pastor, what pastor hasn't lost sheep from one time to another? You know, uh, they get angry at him, something he says, or something going on in the congregation that's really beyond his control, and they leave. I've always I've always described it as just a, just a kick in the gut. You know what I mean? It's you really have to get past that, and uh, frankly, you have you have to have kind of a thick hide in the in the ministry. You really do. You, I mean, well said. Not, I, I mean, you you, you want to be empathetic with the people, but you can't you can't uh, be thin skinned because you got to stand up for the truth and you got to be loving and rightly apply the law and the gospel. Because uh, if you, you you can't let things get you down like that. Yeah, one of the big problems in some churches is, of course, the whole concept of close communion. Yes. You know how some people just get angry at the pastor because he won't commune their friends, even though they're not even members of a church, but they're visiting and they can't understand why he's not communing them. But why wouldn't he be communing them? Well, because for their for their sake, really, uh, yes. so that they don't take it to, to their judgment. They, exactly. You know, they, well said. If, if, if they can't discern the body and blood of our Lord and don't know what they're doing, don't know what they're taking, or they understand it wrongly, you, you can't let them take it. It'd be to their judgment if they took it. Yes. So, if you would read stanza three. Okay. The Lord my life arranges... Who can his work destroy? In his good time, he changes all sorrow into joy. So let me then be still, my body, soul, and spirit, his tender care inherit according to his will. Now, what if you had a member in your congregation who was sorrowful over something and it never turned to joy? How would you explain this line? that all sorrow into joy he changes. Well, certainly, well, certainly, uh, it, it's like that passage, uh, um, oh, joy cometh in the morning. Um, certainly on, on the morning of the last day. Uh, well said. On the, last yep. day, on the last day when our Lord Jesus raises up all the dead and he, his, his sheep, those that believe in him, will be ushered into that uh, the kingdom uh, of his everlasting reign, that will, be, that will be the end of all tears. It'll be nothing but pure joy from then on, throughout eternity. Right. So let me then be still, my body, soul, and spirit, his tender care inherit 
according to his will. Notice it doesn't say his tender care merit, right. but rather inherit. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, one's a, one's a gift. The other is something that you earn. I was going to say this about that joy, Tom. We also yes. have a foretaste of that joy in the Holy Supper of the Lord. We, he, gives us, he gives us foretastes of this eternal joy, even, even here on this earth. Uh, if we have eyes open, uh, spiritual eyes open to see it. He gives us promises in his word that lift up, you know, it's like we say uh, during the communion liturgy, lift up your hearts. In other words, take heart, rejoice. Yes. And that joy doesn't come uh, just from the Lord's Supper, but boy, there are certain hymns that can make people joyous because of a memory they've had about it. The liturgy can do it. The sermon should do it. Prayer should do it. So that's what worship is all about, turning gloom to joy and also trusting that what he promises will come to pass, yeah. that his gracious will will be done. Yeah, I think of that. I think of another hymn that I'm going to be using this Sunday, too. In thee is gladness amidst all sadness. Jesus Jesus, oh, what is the, let's see, in thee is gladness amidst all sadness. Jesus, I can't think of the next word. <laughs> well, that's all right. But, but it is a joyful hymn. Yes. So uh, what text are you preaching on? You know, I'm going to do something different this uh, uh, Sunday. I'm going to be preaching on the appointed psalm, Psalm 126. I don't, oh. you know, I don't preach on the Psalms a whole lot. Once in a while, I thought it'd be a nice change this Sunday to try that. Yeah, it's interesting that the introit, though, is from Psalm 131 or Psalm 130. Mm-hmm, yeah. But the, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize there are four readings every Sunday. You're in the three-year system, right? Right, oh, yes. And one is from the psalm, then an Old Testament reading, the epistle reading, and the gospel. Yeah, and, and, then, uh, the in, and then the introit, as you said. You've got the introit that, that usually is the psalm. Yes, so it always you've is actually the got psalm. Five, you've actually got five readings. Right. Yeah. Although there are uh, some of the churches I help out with, they never say the introit. Uh-huh, yeah. How about so, the gradual? Do you use the gradual, Tom? Only in two of the four churches. Uh-huh. It comes after the Old Testament reading. Mm-hmm, right. So the uh, Old Testament reading, then the gradual, then the epistle, then the alleluia, and then comes the gospel. Now, after the gospel, if it's Communion Sunday we wait and do the creed after the sermon right. because that gives me a chance to put the gloves on for communion. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how those putting on those rubber gloves have, have slightly altered our liturgy, isn't it? <laughs> well, we did, what was it, Liturgy 1 last week, and they do have the creed after the sermon, even uh, in the right. liturgy. That's so, right. Each one's a little different. You've got to be watching what you're doing. Yeah. All right. If you would read the next verse. 
which is four, right? Right. Yes. Each day at his good pleasure, God's gracious will is done. He sent his greatest treasure in Jesus Christ, his son. He every gift imparts. The bread of earth and heaven are by his kindness given. Great Praise him with thankful hearts. So this is almost a repeat of the first article of the Apostles' Creed. Right. You know, that God gives all the things that we need. Give us That's this right. day our daily bread, etc., etc. Yeah, not His only daily bread, care. but the heavenly bread. Yes, mm-hmm. the heavenly bread, which would be what? The Holy Communion. Exactly. All right, I'll go on with verse 5. Praise God with acclamation, and in his gifts rejoice. Each day finds its vocation responding to his voice. Soon years on earth are past, but time we spend expressing the love of God brings blessing that will forever last. Now, there's one word that a child may not quite understand or get it mixed up with vocation, but it's vocation. Vocation. Vocation, yes. What does that mean? Well, vocation is like our calling. That's what, that's what vocation, vocal, that it, it means our calling in life. What, and, and we may have different vocations. I think I heard you say in a recent Bible class, you know, I have a, I have a calling as a father. I have a calling as a pastor. I have a calling as a, a citizen. I have a calling as a husband. Uh, uh, and a son. So we, have di- we, have different, we have different callings. Voca- our vocation in life we wear different hats, so to speak. Yes, your responsibilities change. For example, if I see some kids in church running around and I'm not their parent, well, that would be a different kind of movement I make towards them uh, <laughs> because I don't have parenthood. I can't say to them, all right, no television for you tonight. Yeah, or and you don't speak like harshly. Oh, I can you, still speak harshly. Yeah, well, it, it, it's interesting. I don't know. As a pastor, I you know I I may I may speak to my own kids if my, my my own kids get unruly. You know, when they were younger, if they ever got unruly, I might speak a little bit sharply to them if if it uh, if they're really out of line or misbehaving, especially if they're in church, but. Uh, you know how it is with other people's kids. Uh, you, you try. You, you don't want. You don't want them to be. You certainly don't want them to be afraid of the pastor. You know. And oh, you don't I want don't to know about much. that. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree with you with that one. I'll tell you what happened. And you know, I've been in around over a dozen congregations helping out. One of them, I was asked to teach the youth confirmation. And so I was in the class and starting to teach it, and some kids were fooling around, and I just kind of let it go. And they were Uh talking with each other. They weren't listening to me. Uh And, in fact, uh, two of them started wrestling, and everybody was laughing and this kind of thing. So (laughs) when they were done, uh, at the end of the class, I said, "Uh, here's your assignment is – 
you're going to go home and you will not be permitted back in confirmation until you write a letter indicating what how you behaved in class today, apologizing to me for what you did and having your parents sign it before it comes Ooh. back. <laughs> now, that was on yeah. a Saturday. Uh -huh. So on Sunday, we had Sunday school, and their Sunday school teacher came up to me and said, I don't know what you did, but they are really mad at you, and they're <laughs> angry at you. And so now I had this all planned from the beginning because I knew it would be all the way around the next Saturday before yeah. they wrote the letter. Yeah. And so you I walked, from experience. <laughs> so I walked back into the classroom uh, the Sunday school classroom, and I said, um, here's what I'm going to say to you, that what happened yesterday where you're all fooling around, I forgive you, and you don't have to write your letters, and I walked out. Is that right? And the teacher later said, boy, they all like me now. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, it took them three, four more weeks before they started fooling around in class again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so they had a fear, that just old like Adam, that old Adam kicks in uh, again pretty quick. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And old... remember how Luther begins the meaning of all of his commandments: "We, we should, should fear and love fear. God." Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he can do something even worse than just kick us out of confirmation. Right. But I saw it as a great opportunity, and uh, it worked out really well. I'm still good friends with a number of those confirmants. So well, that's good. From God can nothing move me. And that's where you get that tough skin. Okay. We're on what? Uh, six. I'll Let's read see. six. Oh, I wanted to say... I want yes, to say the ahead. last two lines of that verse. Soon years on earth are past, but time we spend expressing the love of God brings blessing that will forever last. You know that. You know a couple of us old plugs like you're in your seventies and I'm in my late sixties. Amazing how the years have passed, Tom. I mean, I've known you more more than forty years now, and uh, you know it's just amazing how time passes. But the time that we spend expressing the love of God brings blessing that will forever last. Boy. No, no, that's I mean, not what it says. Did I read it too fast? Yes. Soon years on earth are past. Okay. But time we spend expressing the love of God brings blessing that will forever no. last. No, um, you, you read it as though that the love of God brings blessing. The reason it brings blessing, because of the time we spend expressing the love of God. Mm -hmm. Right. If you That's don't express right. the love of God, then you're not comforted by his word, uh, no matter what your age is. So yeah. it's the time we spend expressing the love of God that ends up bringing blessings. And that lasts forever through heaven. That's All right. right. Six. Okay. Even though I suffer the world's unpleasantness, and though the days grow rougher and bring me great distress, that day of bliss divine which knows no end or measure, 
and Christ who is my pleasure forever shall be mine. Now, obviously, he's writing this at a time when the days were growing rougher and you were getting even greater distress. I, I'm not sure that's always true, that the older you get, the I, I think the less distress you have. Yes, yeah, I don't know. You, what, well, I, as, as you grow older, you realize, well, the Lord has brought me hitherto, and uh, I'm not going to, you know, he, he's brought me this far. He's going to be with me to to the very end and throughout eternity. You, you kind of, your faith grows and so far, your trust, your trust in God's promises, I think, really grows because you know, you know that he's been through, with you through thick and thin. You know that, you know what he's protected you of in the past. He's provided for you. So, right. uh, so you, your, your trust in him does grow. And that trust goes because he's made promises that come true. So what happens, that lessens your sin. For example, you may be driving down the highway and somebody cuts you off to get ahead of you. In the old days, I may, you know, want to cut him off. But yeah. now, immediately I realize, no, no, that's the devil yeah. going to be trying yeah. to get to me. And yeah. so I Let may have that great distress but it doesn't bother me. That's right. Yeah. All right, seven, please. For thus the Father willed it, who fashioned us from clay, and his own Son fulfilled it and brought eternal day. The Spirit now has come to us, true faith has given. He leads us home to heaven Oh, praise the three in one. That, of course, is a doxological verse. We stand for it because it mentions, gives praise to all the, the whole Trinity. Yes. And so there's a little triangle in front of the verse. Right. Um, it says, and his own son fulfilled it. What's yeah. the it referring to? Yeah. For thus the Father willed it, who fashioned us from clay, and his own son fulfilled it. I think it, that, you know, that's a good question. I think of all of his promises, but you wouldn't call that it. Would you, would, is he talking about our redemption? I think the it refers to the previous verse. It says that that oh, day of bliss which... divine, which knows no end or measure, and Christ who is my pleasure forever shall be mine, because thus the Father willed it, uh, who fashioned okay. us from clay, and yeah. his own Son fulfilled it, right. and brought eternal day. Yeah. And then, of course, Jesus leaves us with another comforter, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a good hymn. We'll probably be singing it during uh, communion, uh, because it's always good to have a lengthier hymn in communion, so everybody gets to commune and sing. But thanks very much for uh, being with us today, Pastor Smith. From God Can Nothing Move Me. And um, we'll talk about next week a little later. But on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be dealing with a Bible verse that has some insights that you might not recognize when you read the English. And that's what the purpose of a pastor is to explain in English words what the original language really means. Till tomorrow then, 
God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.